It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Deck, NBA Draft Podcast. And today's a very special episode. One, because uh, we have our, our guy and teammate, Tyler Rucker, uh, with us from Backcourt Violation and our soon-to-be-announced secret project. But also... Because this is the first episode that, if you were listening to this on Spotify, you can actually watch in the Spotify player as well. As long as I don't mess anything up uh, on the uploading process, that is. Um, but this should be, uh, Spotify has you know chosen us amongst you know a few other podcasts around the world to um, test out Spotify video. If you watch Joe Rogan, it's kind of like that. You can open up the player. And uh, and watch us on your uh, little phone screen, or yeah, I guess even on your TV, your computer, wherever you you use Spotify, you should be able to see our smiling faces. My name is Corey Zalba. I am your host, and I'm here as always with my co-host Albert Gim. Albert, how are we feeling, <sighs> dude? It, it's it's it, we we made it. I mean, is there anything left after this? I feel like, you know. Probably getting paid I, I, at some point. I mean, that, that that would be nice. Dude, I don't know. Like, as you were giving your whole intro, I was thinking of, like, Daenerys Targaryen. I don't know why. And, you know, wherever oh, wow. she goes, they introduce <laughs> her as, you know, the queen of the dragons, queen of the seven kingdoms, breaker of chains. Yeah. Uh, Corey's just breaking chains, you know, busting through doors. And here we are recording video with Spotify and Dude, I, I do want to say it's such a huge honor that we got selected out of not too many podcasts to do this and to be a part of this platform. So shouts to Spotify. I wonder if we shout out Spotify enough on this pod, but shouts to you guys for caring about us. And I'm just uh, excited, man. I'm ready to go. We have freaking Tyler with us today. Uh, we call him Rucker uh, just because that's his Rucker last Park. name. But also, <laughs> yes, sir. It his last, it's his last name. And we've got a couple other Tylers, I think, in our in our collective world. So uh, anyway, it's an honor to have you on, Tyler, and I'm freaking excited to go today. Yeah, I'm pumped to be here. You guys are uh, making moves and it's well-deserved. You guys have been working hard. So thank you guys for having me on and uh, shout out Spotify. And teamwork makes the dream work. And also, guys, girls, you can listen to this podcast in audio format, still Apple and anywhere else that you listen. So it's not like this is a Spotify exclusive or anything like that. But today, another reason that this is a special episode because we are not just breaking down, you know, one of these 2022 NBA draft prospects. Instead, we are going to call this episode. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> and the reason that we're doing that is because we are going to be breaking down and just discussing and figuring out if the discussion is even worthwhile. Uh, a bunch of prospects that, Albert, Tyler, and I have not given up on. 
So, you know, the, the draft process, I think, is interesting, right, guys? Because we fall in love with these prospects for, you know, six months. With the 2020 draft, it was like four years. And then they go to a team, and maybe they don't go to the right situation, and we just toss them in the trash. We just set them aside, and we forget all about them. And And those guys, they worked hard. They don't deserve to be forgotten about. So we are going to discuss those prospects that we still believe in to this day. So um, we each chose three prospects. I think the rule was that we were kind of allowed to overlap on one of them, but uh, you know, we'll see where, where this takes us. I don't even know how many we're going to end up overlapping on, but Tyler, you are our guest and we are going to let you go first. Give me your first prospect that you are not ready to give up on. You're not fucking leaving. Yeah, I'm not I'm not fucking leaving on James Wiseman. And I feel like it would be wrong for this type of segment to not talk about Wiseman. You know, I it's too early. We're talking about a guy that played three games in college. You know, you could even say one and a half, basically, with the competition that he was playing against. No offense to those teams, but raw big man, super athletic, good measurables, good quickness. Needs to figure out the game, needed some time, kind of got thrown into the fire with Golden State. And, you know, bigs take time. It, it, no one clicks right away. I mean, some guys take years, some guys take five years, you know. So I just think Wiseman, they got a good plan for him. I would be as patient as possible. Like with, with guys like this, let's give him three years. You know, he's he's had one and a half years. Um would have loved to have seen him in summer league, but you know, had that little injury bug that he had to take care of. So I don't know. I, I'm not giving up on Wiseman. I'm not even close. I think you got to just be patient with bigs and one day all of a sudden everything comes together. I mean, you know that this was one of my guys. This is one yeah. of my, my overlaps. I'm not ready to leave James Wiseman Island. I'm setting up shop. I'm buying furniture. You know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not even renting it out on, Airbnb. I'm just mm-hmm. chilling there. I'm living there, just making myself at home. Look, if you would have gone into the offseason and into year two with DeAndre Ayton, you're hearing a lot of the same kinds of things, right? How far right. behind he was from a basketball IQ perspective. Even though he did kind of, you saw him improve on that as the season went along. He was this raw, toolsy prospect. And um, when Luca came on right away, that was just a kind of a, a bad scenario for every prospect in the draft that was chosen ahead of him, where it was like, oh, now we need these guys to be good right away because there was this generational prospect. Kevin Knox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you spill yours already, Albert? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Wiseman's in not the same situation because I don't necessarily think that there are any generational prospects in the 2020 draft. Certainly um, some good ones. And Wiseman, I think, for better or worse, is always going to be tied to LaMelo Ball um, in some kind of way. So, you know, and and obviously Melo came out the gates and just smashed, I think, a lot of people's projections. Even if you were high on them, you were like, there's a downside. There's a risk to to this player based on Absolutely. what he did in Australia. Yeah. 
But Wiseman, like you said, the dude is so fluid. He's so skilled. He has all these raw tools, but he and he moves like a basketball player. You know, kinesthetics is huge for me. And um, I think that when you when you sit and you look at like the actual production, right from from his rookie year, I feel like sometimes people kind of are underrating what he actually did his rookie year. I mean, the guy put up real solid numbers. It's not like he was putting up five points and three rebounds and looked totally like he didn't belong on the court. He still did a lot of really impressive things athletically and just from a skills perspective and doing it all while trying to figure out how to play on a team that really wanted to win games, playing with one of the greatest players of all time and Steph Curry, one of the greatest winners of all time, Draymond Green, um, and just trying to fit in when he's never really had to necessarily fit in. Uh, Steve Kerr, I think, has mentioned that he wishes that he kind of handled things a little bit differently his rookie year. You know, I think hopefully this year when he's healthy, we'll see him in more like screen and roll because the Warriors, they play a very specific offensive system that is like pass and move. And um, for any rookie, let alone a guy who Tyler, like you mentioned, doesn't have a lot of basketball experience at a high level, that's hard to just fit into that right away, right? If he went to a different situation where he was just being force fed or he was, you know, playing a lot of uh, pick and roll, like, you know, Clint Capella or something in, in Atlanta, we could be having a completely different conversation about the outlook of James Wiseman. So I still think that the dude is going to figure it out. And I think when he does, he's going to blow up. So I'm not ready to leave. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not even close and exactly just going off of what you said. You don't get drafted usually that high to a winner, you know, like a winning organization. Right. Usually when you see guys like Carl Anthony Towns went first overall, right out of the gate, had big numbers. Well, they were a bad team. That's why right. they were picking that high is, and they were force feeding him. So, yeah, his numbers look great because they were trying to develop him and give him as many minutes as he possibly could get. But there's other guys, if you go back and look, like Jermaine O'Neal's, like guys like that, mm. that just struggled, took time to kind of figure out the game, get right. the speed down, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, you're a raw big man that comes into an organization that just dealt with a number of injuries that is now hungry to win. And they want you to produce right away so they can get back to the playoffs because they just had a nightmare year. So, yeah, it's it's. I'm not surprised Wiseman struggled, and it's exactly what you said, Corey. We've talked about this before, Albert too. And you wrote his about stats. Wiseman. What you you wrote about this with him? With yeah, him I mean his stats were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, for for <laughs> three games in college, yeah. I mean he was fantastic in my opinion right. for what the situation he was thrown into. So. I'm all fired up. See that now yeah. I got my blood going. Now we can do the rest of the, the show because I the juices are going. Hey, this is the exactly. way it started out. Albert, where yeah, you? Yeah, we had to get it out. <laughs> no, really quickly. I, I think Corey, you you kind of hit the nail on the head with everything that you said. You two, Rucker, obviously this is your guy, but I did want to say, like you know, we're looking at last year's draft or 2020 draft, and we're linking Wiseman with Lamelo. Um, maybe it's better to link him with Jalen Smith, who got taken temp, and look at Jalen Smith, who in the finals, literally could not see the floor. Um, yes. they, they were like, you know what, Jalen Smith, you stay at home. They were down Dario Sarge. He went out with the injury. They had nobody to play center, and they still couldn't get J- Jalen Smith on the floor. And as you mentioned, Rucker, like he had such limited, limited game time. 
um, in in college and for him to play the way that he did last year. Like, yeah, there were moments when he was really lost. And Steve Kerr talked about that, right? Like, hey, you know, he's struggling right now. He's kind of lost right now. But he's a big that takes time. And as you, you guys named some awesome guys, right? Jermaine O'Neal, all these guys, De DeAndre Ayton. For me, um, you know, my mind obviously goes to Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. Uh, just jokes, all jokes. Um, but these bigs, they take time, man. These guys take a lot of time. And I think if you look at Wiseman and all the raw tools that you guys are talking about, this guy's going to be insane. And, and, and in the same way, if you're going to hold him to one year of production, let's see what everyone says this year about, you know, all the rookies coming in and see if they hold him to those same standards. And they're going to struggle. Kaminga's going to struggle for the Warriors. But at the same time, hopefully he plays well. And Moody, too. But anyway, just want to piggyback off of what you guys said. I agree with all that. It's way, way too early to give up on a guy that's that big, that fluid, and that talented. Guys, the, the trio, we agree. We yeah. agree. And I'm excited because I think – you know, Wiseman is one of the the cases where it's going to go smoothly, but I, part of me feels like we're going to lose it with uh, with some of these other guys we mentioned, and I'm I'm equally excited for that kind of discourse as well. Albert, give me your first guy that you are not giving up on. Okay, so this one. Um... I think just because I wanted to go in a different order, but because Rucker brought up um, Wiseman, I have to go to the 2020 draft and bring up uh, Tyrell Terry. Uh, Tyrell Terry, his team literally gave up on him already. Um, the Dallas Mavericks let him go. They waived him. Now, guys, like, I don't know if I'm just bad at Google and I'm just like bad at doing internet searches, but I could not figure out why <laughs> they let him go. Like, I know it was like family stuff, like off the court stuff or something. It was something personal, right, that he's been struggling with and he's been off the do you guys know anything? I just couldn't find anything. I I don't necessarily know okay. too much about it. Um, I honestly, like, I, I actually have had, like, a few conversations with Tyrell, like, through DM. Oh, um, oh, okay. and, and I, like, actually, I, I messaged him about um, coming on the show. And oh. uh, he usually messages me back, but uh, you know he di he didn't message me back this this time. So okay. I, I think it is, you know, whatever it is personally that yeah. he's going through. I, you know, it's I think he's just kind of taking a a break yeah. from, you know, the the whole being out on and, and open Got on it. the internet. And and I'm hoping I <laughs> the talent's there, right? Right. Yeah. So like, if we talk about the like, obviously the off the court stuff is rough. I mean, we've had players like that in the past that you know. They had some off the court stuff. Like I remember a couple of years back, there was that guy who couldn't fly. Why can I not remember his name? Um, the Rockets. Remember, oh, Royce White. Yeah, Royce White. Yeah, Royce Royce White. yeah. He, yeah. he just straight Thank up couldn't you. get on planes. And then his th thanks, Rucker. Um, yeah, he couldn't get on later. planes, so that <laughs> that kept him <laughs> off the floor. But with Terry, like you know, obviously, I, I'm really hoping he can get past all the off the court stuff because as a player, as a talent, when we talk about his shooting and also in my opinion, his super underrated playmaking, there's just so much there to like. Um, I even loved how in the pre-draft process, he made that like nice video of him doing like between the legs dunks and stuff. <laughs> I don't know if that rim was like eight feet or nine feet or whatever the deal was, but you know, he was popping a little bit athletically. And I, I just think overall, like, when I when I go back and watch the Stanford tape and like just re remember him as a player, there was so much to like. I mean, we see guys like Seth Curry being integral parts of their teams, like all these shooters. Bryn Forbes just won a title. Like there are all these guys who can shoot 
that end up on rosters and have long careers. We're watching right now. We're recording on a on a Tuesday, and the Nets and Bucks are playing. And Patty Mills, before we started recording, already hit like ninety threes in a game. So these small guys who can shoot and play make they have a place in the league. And Tyrell Terry is a guy for me who I think has more than enough to have a long career. It's just really unfortunate that the off the court stuff led him to, you know, not be on the Mavs anymore, but I'm hoping a team will invest in him and give him the time to move past whatever's going on off the court, because there's one hell of a talent in that kid. You mentioned Seth Curry. It didn't happen right away for Seth Curry. Exactly. You know, he was bouncing around teams, didn't have a permanent home, was playing in the G league. Um, I, I, I think he was undrafted, right? Am I remembering that wrong? Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully, like you said, the talent, all the stuff that he did on Stanford, the the tape popped. I remember watching Dallas play the Bulls this year, and he didn't get a whole lot of playing time, but at the end of the game, he shook Kobe White so impossibly bad. He missed the shot, but it was just like the amount of space that he created, and you know it's a shot that he could hit, that I was like, oh, wow. Like, that was wicked. Um, and then, you know, the, the one thing that was coming out besides the between the legs dunks pre draft with Tyrell Terry was that he had like broken all of the like IQ records for all like the Mm. pre draft tests. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely rooting for him to figure out whatever he needs to figure out and then get another chance elsewhere. Yeah. I, I think the, the release after one year is definitely something behind the scenes, something's going on. So I, I don't think it's based on just talent. I think it's based on like, he might need to get away from basketball, figure out some stuff. And if that's the case, hat tip to the Mavericks for doing that and letting him figure some stuff out. But, you know, he's one of those guys that whenever I've been evaluating, like whenever I learned was give a guy three years. And I do think three years is a good time. And when you watch Tyrell Terry at Stanford, he was very exciting. And I also thought though, he was going to take some time. He was going to need to figure out, you know, he was a great sharpshooter. He was lethal from deep, but I think he needed to figure out the rest of his game. And I never really thought he was going to be this guy that came in as a rookie and tore the league apart. I thought it was just going to take some time, take some time in the G league. And I still think if you're a shooter and you can, grind your way, you're going to figure it out, you know, because teams are always going to want to give you a chance. So um, I'm, I'm like you guys. I, I think the talent's there. Let's just hope he can figure out whatever he's figuring out and get another chance and latch on a roster. Yeah, and, and one of those things, the reason that a guy like Tyrell Terry specifically, you can't give up on after one year is, is the adjustment to the physicality for a guy mm-hmm. like him. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's a small guard to begin with, so... um. Yeah, like you said, it, hopefully it's it's something he can kind of figure out within himself. He, I think he has guaranteed money for this year and next year. So, right. um, you know, for the Mavs to give up on a cheap contract like that, you know, it's it's not anything basketball-wise. Right, right. I think we're all rooting for Tyrell. But you mentioned, Tyler, mm-hmm. that it takes, you know, you got to give guys three years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give my first guy – because he's going into year four. Okay. <laughs> then I'll <laughs> probably feel pretty good about my feeling about him then. So let's let's get weird. Test throwing me on the spot. My first guy that I'm not leaving on. Well, I guess my second guy, because we talked about Wiseman and that was one of the one of the guys we overlapped on. So but my first guy that I'm choosing 
is Orlando Magic Center Mo Bamba. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still in on Mo. Now, Give it to us. I'm not saying that Mo Bamba um, is somebody who I ever expect is going to like light the world on fire as like a, a number one, two, or three on a championship team. But I think that the situation that he entered in Orlando, having to play behind Vujovic, was a good situation for him to like learn behind a veteran, but wasn't necessarily like the best situation for him to develop because Orlando was never really a good team. Even when they were getting those eighth seeds, it's like, what are they doing? What are they playing for? It's like this middle ground. And, you know, it was like, why are you getting in the playoffs? Just get a lottery pick. Get out. (laughs) Like, exactly. Like it it probably would have been more beneficial to get another lottery pick and let their young guys just develop and make mistakes. Now, Steve Clifford was there and uh, shout out Steve Clifford, uh, Hofster, Hofster alum. Um, He's a, he's a guy who likes to limit mistakes on the court and kind of try to win every game as every NBA coach pretty much does try to do, even if it's not their optimal situation, but then the magic trade Vucevic and who do they bring in Wendell Carter jr. (laughs) So it's another young big man who kind of needs minutes. And now they're doing this weird split, split the minutes thing. So what did the magic do into free agency this year after the trade, they go and sign Robin Lopez reunite Robin Lopez and um Disney and World Mo- and uh and Wendell Carter <laughs> and they, they just World. signed him for security for the mascots that's the only right. reason they signed him <laughs> right right um but I think that Mo Bamba definitely has an interesting enough skill set and physical tools that like I think he's gonna find his way eventually if he gets to move on to a different situation you know, I look at a guy like Nerlens Noel, who kind of bounced around and wasn't really a guy who had his footing anywhere and then got and, and found the right team. And now he's like an integral part of New York. You know, you mentioned Tyson Chandler earlier. Tyson Chandler was another guy where like he was this guy who was supposed to be the next Kevin Garnett in Chicago. Right. And that's because nobody had access to high school games back then. And <laughs> clearly nobody had ever watched them and they just looked at him and saw that he saw his high. stats. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, also the, uh, apparently I think it was Tyson Chandler who was the inspiration for um, the star player in the last scene of uh, uh, coach Carter. Oh, oh that yes. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, that, that's just an aside. But, you know, he was another guy that once uh, Chicago kind of had been done with that project, he kind of struggled. He, he lost his way. All of a sudden, he finds his way in New Orleans, right? And he's got this much better situation. And uh, he can just go do what he does best. And I think that if Mo Bamba finds the right partner, like the shot blocking is going to be tremendous. His, his wingspan, he's shown that he could space it a little bit, at least enough to stretch a defense. I mean, he is made up the way you would want any kind of drop big to be <laughs> to be made up with his length and his, his ability to move laterally. And if he just can go somewhere where he's paying off like a guard who can find him and make his life easier and uh, have a coach with a little bit of trust and, and 
developmental uh, minutes there for him, I think he's going to be a guy who could find his way. I I agree. I actually, I'm weirdly buying the Mo Bamba year. I watched him a little bit in preseason just because I'm a sick person that wants to watch the magic in preseason, but um, got to check in on Jalen. Well, Jalen too, but it, it's, I'm a big believer of like a new coach can change something in a hurry. And yep. you know, they hired Mosley, right? I'm sorry. I just spacing. I'm trying to get back in the swing of things. Um, yeah. They hired Nip Mosley. He seems like he's a player coach. Bamba, I swear, every year looks like he's been putting in the work. It looks like, okay, is this the year? And he, he just looks like he's got some new confidence throughout the preseason. So I'm really excited to watch him. I'm buying it. I think in a weird way, it's like it's the holy grail. It's the last chance for him to kind of like, okay, show, like take a step, take a step forward. Also contract year. I'm a big believer of contract years. So, um, Okay, I, I'll I'll get on board with that. That's fine. Hmm. Albert, go ahead, take over. No, <laughs> dude. Initially, Corey, when you first mentioned Mobamba, I was ready to fight you on it. I was going to be like, "Hell no!" I agree. Um, I'll say that. Yeah, push back a little bit. No, see, here's the thing. Feel like, free, but that's the thing. The, you the, know, the I, problem is I, I want to believe. No, here's the thing. I, it's not that I want to believe. It's just you kind of covered your own ass when you brought up Nerlens Noel. Like for me, when you first brought up Mamba and you were saying like you weren't going to give up on him, I thought you were still hoping what Kevin O'Connor prays every day uh, that Mo Bamba would become. Because, you know, Kevin O'Connor wakes up, he goes to the altar of Bamba and says his seven whatever Hail Marys or Hail Mambas or whatever. And he's <laughs> Hail praying Mambas to Mamba. Is a we're that. that is incredible. <laughs> you know, Kevin O'Connor still believes that Mamba is going to become some out of this world center but with what you said about Nerlens Noel that that seems reasonable to me like I, I think like like imagine he went to the Raptors right and, and let's imagine they were like you know what screw Chris Boucher and we bring Mo Bamba in here and let's say Nick Nurse went to work on Mo Bamba and 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 and, and put Mo Bamba with that group with Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam that's really freaking interesting you know, so that's why I agree with you. Like, if you kind of change his setting and his context to somewhere else and he's not in uh, Orlando anymore behind Wendell Carter and Robin Lopez, then, yeah, like, there's hope. Like, even in fantasy basketball this year, Mo Bamba's, like, kind of a sleeper because he might put up six blocks a game, you know? He's one of those players. So I'm with you on that. I was initially going to fight you on, like, he's not going to be a star, but clearly, Corey, you're not Kevin O'Connor, and that makes me really happy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's a star, but I mean, I just it's the change of scenery thing. And obviously he's not getting that necessarily. But like you mentioned, they have a new coach, so maybe he gets a better opportunity. Uh, like even Daniel Gafford, right? He's he's playing in yes. Chicago. He's getting uh, inconsistent yeah. minutes. Uh, I went to see him as a rookie when he was uh, sent down to the G League with the Windy City Bulls. Mm -hmm. And it was a disaster. Like it was one of those cases where like he can't create offense for himself and the players that he's playing with just didn't make him better. Now he bull bull was there. PJ Dozier was there. Um, PJ Dozier was doing work in that game. PJ Dozier was a Michael Jordan in the G league. Yeah, he was, 
he was filthy that game. But he just couldn't create anything himself. He was, you know, missing bunnies around the hoop. That's just not his game. But, like, you put him with a guy like Russell Westbrook who just absolutely destroys defenses and, and makes guys, you know, have to come over and recover. And now all of a sudden it's just like a dump-off dunk. And it's a whole new world for Gafford, and he just got paid. Right. So that's why I'm not giving up on Mo Bamba because I think there's a world in which – no, he's not going to be a max player, but he is a guy that could be helpful and right. you know be beneficial to have on your team if you want to have you know some kind of deep playoff run. Agreed, agreed, hundred percent right. agree. All right, let's go snake snake style. Albert, uh, bring us back. Okay, so I'm actually ready to talk about this guy, and I'm hoping we can have a larger conversation because Corey and I we mostly just talk about like college and you know, you know, r- uh, rookies and stuff like that. So I was exactly. So I'm going to mention Malik Monk and I'm hoping to have a lot larger conversation about the Los Angeles Lakers this year, because uh, we don't always get to talk about like NBA, NBA teams and players and stuff. So I'm kind of excited, but okay, let me start with Malik Monk. Malik Monk is a guy that I know Corey and I are gigantic fans of uh, Malik Monk coming into the league. I just thought he had everything to be, like, I know a lot of people were like, oh, he's going to be a, a microwave type of scorer. He can give you 15 off the bench. But my ceiling for Malik Monk was a lot higher. I was really hoping that one day he could become like a 25-point-per-game type of scorer. Um, I know, I know. People are going to make fun of me for that one. But that's the thing. And that's the reason why I'm mentioning him now in this segment, segment because I really do believe he can still be a really, really high-level scorer. Um, I think he's got all the athleticism that he needs at his size. I know he's a little undersized, but he's got long. He's got a nice wingspan. He can shoot the hell out of the ball. Malik Monk is my guy. But I, once again, I, I want to talk, take it to like the larger macro sense and kind of get your feedback on what you guys think, not just about Malik Monk in this role for the Lakers as a bench scorer, but if we can talk in a macro sense, how do you guys feel about this Laker roster coming into the season? Because for all the, and I hate to say this, and I hate to slight people, but for a lot of casual fans out there, they're going to see the big names and say, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony. We've got all these Hall of Famers, all the stuff. But I've got real concerns about the Lakers' depth this year, and I'm really hoping that Malik Monk could be a part of the solution um, and not a part of the problem, obviously. But I wanted to get your thoughts, not just on Malik Monk and my love for him, but also the Lakers as a whole and if, how you guys feel about their projection for this season. Because at work, I had a coworker ask me, who's your pick to come out of the West this year? And I said the Suns. And I'm actually pretty convinced by that pick. And I don't know, people can hate on me for that one too. But I, I think the Suns are going to come out of the West. But wanted to get your thoughts on Malik Monk and the Lakers as a team from you guys. Well, I... Albert, I'm a little uh, shocked that you're concerned about their depth because the Lakers just picked up Avery Bradley off waivers. So <laughs> Easy, easy. I have respect for my defense, guys. I will go to war for them. Let's calm down. <laughs> we all we all love Avery Bradley. Um, I'll let me go to Malik Monk. Yeah, I'm I'm a I've always been a, a Malik Monk fan. I feel like I built my monk house on the same block that I built my Bomba house. And weird street. I think, I think Malik Monk, like obviously <laughs> <a really> weird <laughs> street. <laughs> that neighborhood is terrifying. <laughs> Mamba and Monk. <laughs> there, but we we had some lit parties <laughs> on that block. Yes, you do. Yeah, obviously. Um, 
so Malik it's like Monk, a galaxy. I mean, um, my thing is like same kind of thing. Last year, Lamelo came around, and it's like, yes, like this is the guy that Malik Monk belongs playing next to, a guy who's going to play fast and a guy who's going to find every open passing window to get this dude perfect shots, perfectly placed right in his shooting pocket and just allow him to do what he does best. So, you know, I was a little disappointed that he left Charlotte from that perspective because I I really enjoyed the Malik Monk Lamella Ball experience. But I can see Monk uh, thriving with this Lakers team for a lot of the same reasons. You're going to have the, I mean, yeah, the roster construction is weird. But this team is going to need as much shooting as they possibly can. And Malik Monk is probably going to be one of their most consistent shooters throughout the year. So I can see him, you know, really finding himself a nice role in this team. Obviously, LeBron James makes guys like him better. You know, he's LeBron's going to do a lot of the same things. He's not going to play as fast, um, but he's going to do a lot of the same things. Westbrook will play as fast. So, you know, with Westbrook, you'll get a lot of the same things maybe you got with LaMelo pushing in transition. Maybe Westbrook will hold the ball a little bit longer than Melo in transition, but, you know, the, the point being, he'll still create all that chaos, driving into the paint, forcing rotations, getting Monk open shots. It's just going to be how many minutes are there. Like, where is his role going to be with Rondo, with Talon Horton Tucker, who they just paid, with Kendrick Nunn, like, there's only so many minutes to go around in this backcourt. And obviously Westbrook is going to be a guy who's eating up the the biggest chunk of those minutes. Uh, currently from if what I uh, read earlier is true, I think Kent Bazemore is the starting shooting guard for, for the Lakers to start the season. So there's just a lot there. And I just, I wonder what his, his role could possibly be like, like, is he going to be a guy who's getting 12 minutes a game on this team? Or is he going to be a guy who's like works himself up to like a 25, 26 minute per game role? And, and that's what I hope. And I think that would probably be best for them as long as he's not a dumpster fire defensively. Because I don't know, I guess Anthony Davis is the best shooter on the team right <laughs> in the starting lineup right now. And yeah. that's, you know, Yikes. an, an, an issue. So I, I'm hoping for the best from League Monk because he, I think, went there for the minimum. So he, he did a right. bet on himself deal and there's going to be a chance that he doesn't get that chance to bet on himself. I would say, okay, let me, let me take Albert's one by one. Malik Monk, the player, I would say I'm still yes, but I'm not as like excited about the yes. Like I, I get Mm. the idea of him. It's very exciting to have a potential microwave guy that could come in and get 20. I don't know if I'm buying the ceiling. Like, I don't, I think we know what type of player he's going to be. I don't think we're going to see like a drastic leap of improvement where he becomes this guy you have to play in the starting lineup. I would say for the Lakers, they, it's weird because it's like the perfect roster for him to have a career year because mm. they need him so bad to be a good shooter from outside because you know, with the Lakers this year, I'm, I'm more worried about their shooting than, you know, the age jokes. I think everyone's right. focusing on the age. Like, yes, I get, they're going to have to stay healthy and keep the injuries out of the conversation, but the shooting is just a little odd. 
you know, it's like Corey said, I think Anthony Davis is their best shooter right now. And that's not disrespecting LeBron and Westbrook, but they're not three point threats consistently. So it's all lining up to where, you know, recording this for the Warrior Laker game tonight, if Monk goes out and goes six for 10 from three, I mean, he might get 30 minutes a game because the team needs him. Like, so I think I like his skill set. I think it could be perfect for the Lakers because he's gambling on himself. Like he said, with the minimum and I love guys that are microwave scorers, but I just don't know if there's like another couple levels he's going to reach. I just think we kind of know what he is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I think that's well said. And um, this could be a big year for him going forward as, as to what his perceived value is around the league. So it's a it's a risky bet on himself, but uh, let's see what Frank Vogel and uh, and LeBron does does for him. All right, Tyler, give us your next prospect. You are not willing to give up on. Um, it's early, but I'm gonna stay with the uh, the 2020 class. Mm. He's playing right now, and. I'm a believer. I think this guy's going to play a really long time. He didn't play a lot as a rookie, but uh, Jordan Nora. Yes. Of the Milwaukee oh, yeah. Bucks. That's good. I was a believer in college. I was a believer when he went back for another year in college, and I'm still a believer. I'm not going to. I have built two houses on Nora Street, Ooh. basically. So I just think he has everything you want. He's pretty much the perfect type of rotation asset for a team like Milwaukee. And, you know, he's getting some more minutes this year. I think he just can be so important as like a floor spacing, light it up quickly type of guy. Um, Kind of understands how to get a shot and get to his spots. He's not, he's intelligent enough to know like, Hey, I don't need to force my shot. The moment I get in, I can still be a smart basketball player. So he was just also one of those guys that I think, scouts and personnel wanted to see him take another leap and he did it so that like struggled but it was like well the 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 production was still really good at college like he was still a a bucket getting machine that put up good numbers but can play make a little bit yeah and i i think not the sexiest but he's just a really good basketball player that yeah he could get hot and all of a sudden give you 15 off the bench and i just I like him. I think there's a definitely a role where he's an important player on a playoff team. He's in my my FanDuel lineup tonight, so I'm. Well, there you go. Yeah. See, I, I mean, the value he was on like a minimum salary there. Like, come on, guys, what are we what are we doing? Now, yeah. Wara is that he's legit. I had him in my my first round of the 2020 draft. I, I think that what are we learning? Like, there's you can never have enough shooters on your team, right? And Jordan Moore is a guy who has excellent size at his position. I think he's going to be able to slide and, and guard, you know, threes or fours. Um, and and he's not just like a standstill shooter. Like you can you can run him off different kinds of actions. And when you're playing next to Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and and Giannis, like you want a guy who can just be a complementary piece and do a bunch of different things on the floor. And I, you know, I, I think that him taking a step this year could be a game changer for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm actually, I'm anticipating it. Yeah. He takes, he becomes a rotation player because it's, that's free money. Mm -hmm. You you have a guy who really didn't do anything last year. Um, Obviously 
they won the championship. So it's, you know, great. He, he didn't need to do anything, but now it's like, all right, year two, can you be a contributor? And it seems like they're going to give him a chance. And I think that he's going to take the opportunity. I think he's going to make the most of it. Cause it's not like he's getting the chance in uh, Detroit where he's all of a sudden got to be, you know, do too much. Like I, I think playing Milwaukee allows him to just be himself and star in his role. And, you know, I think that like he could be a guy that we look at and we start talking about a little bit like Cam Johnson-y in, yes. from a narrative perspective. Yes. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for the Jordan Moore experience here too. You know, Corey, I, I think what you mentioned was interesting how um, he can fit in next to Giannis and Middleton and, and Holiday. But I'm also thinking like when those guys are on the bench, he's going to be really important as a off the bench scorer. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking of like all these guys, like, like a lot, like, um, the way that Alec Burks functions on the Knicks right now, he comes in and he's kind of a creator. He's kind of a scorer, kind of a shooter. He can do a lot of different things. And I think that's the value there where obviously eventually Dante DiVincenzo is going to come back and he'll probably slide into the starting role or he'll play off the bench, uh, either him, but then, you know, then what's going to happen to Grayson Allen, right? Grayson Allen probably come off the bench and that second unit of Grayson Allen and Nora and Thanasis or whatever, like, (laughs) <laughs> I, I think it's going to be important for them. You know, I think they're going to offer important minutes for when their starters come off the bench. And I think Nuora, as you guys have all mentioned, like he's not just a scorer. He can really, I mean, sorry, he's not just a shooter. He's a scorer. He can actually score. He's a real bucket. And to have that coming off the bench, as you mentioned, pretty much for free, that is unbelievable value considering the fact they also brought back Portis for like 4 million years, something unbelievable. And so George Milwaukee, Hill. yeah, George Hill too. So they're, they're just trending in the right direction after just winning a title and to have Nuora be a pivotal piece to them. And it seems like he's going to play. That's huge. So I'm on board with you guys. And and I just have to add something more because I've been wanting to talk about Nuora for pretty much like three months and no one's wanted to talk to me about it. So this is my (laughs) moment to shine, but um, I'm a big believer of guys that play in the Olympics, have success, and parlay that into the next offseason with the confidence overflowing. And he did that in summer league. He looked fantastic. He showed signs in preseason. And it's like what you said, Corey. I think the end of the year with these playoff teams, we always find these guys that are like starting to believe, starting to get hot as the playoffs are coming around. And I think he could be one of those guys where we're all sitting and talking and going, Oh man, Nora is gonna is turning into a really nice piece for them. Like he's gonna be their eighth guy this year, but he could get even better and be a key part of their future. So I'm just buying it. I, I think the moment when I, I also thought he was a potential late first round guy, the moment when it got to playoff teams, I was like, someone's gonna get a steal. And then when he got selected by Milwaukee, I was like, he's not gonna play year one unless he just went crazy in preseason. But I was like, if they just show some patience, he's going to turn into something for them. And I, I, I'm just, I'm excited to see this year. Yeah. And if he ever like gets himself into like elite shape, yes, he could have like a serious, serious year where you're like, Whoa, Jordan Moore all of a sudden is like a guy who's putting up 17 a game and, you know, eight rebounds, whatever, like actually a starting level 30, two to 35 minute per game guy like that's that's definitely his ceiling all right albert we're back at you your last guy you hit us with malik monk you hit us with tyrell terry where are you going for 
your third and final prospect? My third and final prospect, I'm hoping to get a lot of hate from you guys. I welcome it. I, I enjoy it. It's what I'm you know, asking for. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my third guy is Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome. Okay. I, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that our listeners are not like, who the hell is Ty Jerome? Uh, Ty Jerome is a guy who coming out of Virginia. I, I, I don't know. There's something about Ty Jerome that I love. I can't really put my finger on it. He's like, I, I, I don't know if he's like modern day. I don't even like, yeah, I have no freaking idea why I love him so much. Um, but he, I just really like how he shoots the ball. It's ugly. It's weird, but I like it for some reason. Um, he seems like one of those perfect Lou guys. Obviously I'm not saying that Ty Jerome deserves to be like a starter somewhere or anything like that, but you guys will be really alarmed and amazed by these stats that I'm about to read you, okay? Oh, so gosh. Ty- I did not Red- prepare for Ty Jerome's stats <laughs> on a Tuesday night. Oh, hey, hey, God. Hey. Get ready Look because good. my ne- get ready. My next prospect's Kyle Guy. So, <laughs> Okay, ready? Hi, my ready? name is Albert, and I have a problem with Ty Jerome. <laughs> so last season for the Oklahoma City Thunder, he played 33 games. Ready for this, guys? Ready? Um, he actually averaged 24 minutes a game. He shot 42% from three on five attempts. Uh, that is fantastic. He actually averaged 10 points a game. I I was so shocked when I looked at his numbers and saw that Ty Jerome averaged 10 points a game and shot 42% three for, <clears throat> from three on five attempts. Anyway, um, he's a guy that I think is going to be a really good glue guy one day. I could see him playing for a title contender one day. Obviously not as a starter. He has his limitations as a defender. He's pretty damn slow. Um, but I just love him. He, so he's my last guy. Don't give up on him, NBA. Keep giving him his chance. Keep giving him his chances. He's gonna make you smile because he makes me smile with his ten points a game on a terrible OKC Thunder team. So that's that's it for me, boys. Yeah. T- all right. Uh, look, I don't know if I necessarily. <laughs> No, I try to. I like. It. I like that you're bringing Ty Jerome into the conversation. I think, um, you know, he's a guy I'm completely indifferent on. Mm. I think that Oklahoma City is the perfect situation for him. Like you said, his stats are were not not that Alarming. bad for what you would expect based on the opportunity he was given his rookie year. And all you all you want <laughs> from a prospect is to see some kind of improvement, right? And Averaging almost 11 points per game in the NBA, even if it's on, you know, 33 game sample size is nothing to sneeze at. You know, uh, obviously there are these, there are these guys who have played on bad teams who have had these big monstrous scoring years, Ron Mercer and, you know, all these guys that it's like Aaron Aflalo, where it's like, obviously this is not real. That's not your role when you play on a good team. And that's going to be Ty Jerome's thing going forward it's like all right he's not going to be a 20 point per game guy i think in any scenario he's not getting the aaron aflalo shot chart but if he could be a, a 12 13 14 point per game guy averaging four rebounds four assists even in a starting role as a complimentary piece as this big guard i think he could definitely fit in somewhere because we've learned like we keep mentioning that like shooting is, is not going away in the NBA. It's going to be valuable always. So as long as he could hit shots and, you know, we know that he was kind of this like combo point guard in college and that's what he was projected to be. So now you're telling me he can also run some secondary, you know, pick and roll some play here and there. He can push and transition. There's value in that. So, um, I don't think Oklahoma city is going to be his, his final stop. He definitely seems like, 
he's going to have quite the jersey collection in his uh, mm-hmm. house one day. But, um, I yeah, I, this is I'm excited that we got to uh, have a Ty Jerome conversation in in 2021, <laughs> late You're 2021. Welcome, You're welcome, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it, it unfortunately might be our last Hydrum conversation, be. but um, I was really excited with him as a as a prospect because I thought pretty much what Albert's saying, I thought he could have been early on. Like I thought he could have been a nice piece to develop for a playoff team that wasn't in a hurry to rush him into action. And I think you guys are pretty spot on. I think he's going to end up being one of those guys that collects a lot of jerseys. He's going to play for a lot of teams. A lot of teams are going to, you know, give him a chance, see what they can do. And he might end up being a crafty eighth or ninth guy on a roster for a playoff team. I don't know, but I was intrigued with him out of college. One of those guys I just kind of talked myself into the closer the draft got just because I liked the shooting. I liked the intelligence, but safety. um, yeah, I, it's oh, just, yeah. I don't know. So I, I'll let it slide, Albert, but, you know, I'm not in love <laughs> with it. <laughs> I'm not buying a house on that street. Oh, I live alone. I live alone. <laughs> yeah, you live on a very, very safe street. Like, and it's By like myself. in Oklahoma City, like in on one of those roads where you've been driving for like 45 minutes and then like mm-hmm. you just see a house on a farm by itself and you're not going to mm-hmm. see another house for another like 15 miles. Yeah. No, Corey, Corey, I'm probably in that haunted hotel in OKC that everyone yeah. talks about. That, that's the tide. That's the tide your home. No, that haunt, home hotel. The haunted, the haunted hotel <laughs> in Oklahoma City was made for uh, Poku. Yes. You, you oh, want the excitement. Yes. You want all of the excitement and adrenaline that only a haunted hotel room could give. And that's that's the Poku experience thus far in his NBA career. That's basically the plot of The Shining. <laughs> all right. I am going to give my third and final prospect I'm not giving up on. And I bounced back and forth between two guys and I've decided um, that I'm going to roll with my guy, Kyra Lewis Jr. Yes. I am fucking leaving Kyra Lewis Jr. This, he was one of my favorite prospects in the 2020 class. And I was just so excited to see him in the pros because I thought that like, Young prospect for his class, even though he was a sophomore, improved, was able to do all the things that we value from guards, shifty, super lightning quick, um, can play make. And that was my favorite part about his rookie season. You know, he wasn't a guy who got a ton of minutes last year with New Orleans and New Orleans, we we know, has been a dumpster fire. And that's what I'm a little nervous about even still right now. But he didn't turn the ball over last year. Like he, any rookies, rookie point guards, not turning the ball over a lot, especially with a guy like him and his game is a really, really impressive thing because point guard and center are the the two toughest positions to to play when you're young. It's the most responsibility on, you know, either side of the floor, depending on the position. So I think that 
Kyrie Lewis Jr. is going to be a, a really good point of attack defender. He's got the quickness to stay with a lot of these guards. You know, he's not a guy who's going to be able to guard up necessarily. He's which, you know, kind of limits what you get out of him. Um, and that's kind of, you know, the problem with a guy like Darius Garland and whatnot, too, who I also still love. Um, but a lot of people do. Garland's been getting all the buzz this year, which he deserves. And um, all the PSA 10 rookie cards I bought of him also love. So, but wow. with, with Kyra, I'm really excited. I, I think that he's getting a little bit overlooked in New Orleans as a prospect because I think right now the hype train is rolling for uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, and, and he's kind of getting forgotten about a little bit. But I think that, you know, without Lonzo, I think both of those guys are going to have an opportunity to pick up a lot of those minutes. And I think that, um, you know, we're going to be talking about Kyra Lewis as this guy. Like, man, remember him? Where, where'd he come from? Uh, and, and he's somebody that I think is going to come off the bench with Trey Murphy the third, And it's just going to be like this devastatingly fun um, bench unit for, for New Orleans. So I'm, I'm really excited for year two of Kyra Lewis. And uh, I will not leave that for the duration of his rookie contract. Dude, I million percent agree. And it's funny, even last year in his limited minutes, like he was getting some love. You know, I, I think he showed some stuff. And you just mentioned him playing with Trey Murphy. The the only concern is, man, these Pelicans, man, I I just is that gonna be fun to watch at all? Like, have you guys have you guys seen Zion recently? Yikes, dude. That I'm scared. I'm actually scared for what that season's gonna look like. And it looks like Griff is gonna lose his job soon. It, what a nightmare of a job he's doing there but anyway i'm with you Corey. kira kyra however you pronounce it is it kyra kira Ky- i believe it's kyra 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 lewis anyway i'm in love with him we loved him even when we talked draft before we even started this pod i know yeah Corey, we did a pod before that we loved kyra so i'm with you dude he's he's awesome but the the pelicans scare me this year um couldn't agree more one of my favorite point guards in that class um absolutely loved him more and more each time i watched him i was like i'm in i'm in love with this guy this guy is going to be a steal for a team i'm terrified of the team i think it's just getting ugly in a hurry and i don't really know what direction they're going to go because i do, i'm excited to see Nikhil this year i think he's going to have a big breakout year potentially but trying to figure out what direction they're going in but i i absolutely think Kyra is exactly what I thought he was going to be. He's going to be this quick point guard that took some time to adjust to the speed of the game. And he was so electric in college, but he also had some times where he ran into trouble because he was just moving too fast because he's so damn quick. Yeah. So, you know, like Corey said, point guard center, two of the toughest positions to transition to. I think he's going to be something in a couple of years we're looking back and talking about in a hurry. So, I'm a huge fan. I'm not changing my opinion about that at all. I I think he's got a really bright future. Now, if you look over that Pelicans roster, and this Mm -hmm. it kind of all hinges on how much buy on uh, buy in there is from Zion and Brandon Ingram defensively. (laughs) That is an interesting roster that should definitely be competing for a playoff position, like. Like they should not not make the playoffs. They have good players everywhere. They have depth 
everywhere. They have a superstar level player. They have a second all-star level player. They have a center that has just won wherever he's gone, regardless mm-hmm. of how outdated you know he is. They they got uh Devontae Graham, Tomas Sadaransky, Garrett Temple, Nikhil. I mean, they just they're deep at every single position with good to very good to potentially great players. I know that everything seems like it's a mess. They and it and it is, and it has been. But they can write that ship. Oh, for and, sure. And I yeah. wouldn't if if Zion, you know, is healthy. It all hinges on how healthy he is, right? How quick he he comes back from this injury. But that's a team that you could be looking at the standings and be like, oh, wow. Pelicans actually did make that jump. We could also be looking at them and be like, wow, they all hate playing with each other and the GM's going to get fired. And Zion's fat and out of shape and he's his never going to be healthy with his knees. And, you know, we, there's either scenario won't shock me. It doesn't seem like there's going to be a middle ground to me. Yeah, there's no middle ground. No way. I, I think you're spot on. I think it's either going to be shock of the West or, oh my gosh, they're going to be picking in the top three. Like, yeah. I don't know if there's like an in-between because it just Christ. seems like Zion could come back, not be completely healthy, get banged up again. They just struggle to compete with the firepower. But like, I, I, I'm like you, I think the roster is really intriguing. I think Trey Murphy is going to be one of the best first round picks from this class. I'm saying just oh, yeah. as like a immediate contributor. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to win rookie of the year, but I think people are going to be like, okay, they got someone. So um, I'm like you, it just, it seems like we're waiting for the jump, but it's going to have to be because Zion's ready to roll. And if he's out, I don't know how like far Ingram can carry them by himself, but yeah. I like the pieces they have. It, it, it's intriguing, but it just seems like there's a little bit of a, a mess. Look, I, I mean, guys, we, we try to be a body positive podcast here, but I think it was an athletic thing and uh, 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 an article from the athletic, but they're saying how like Zion can't stop eating fast food and you see, <laughs> dude, seeing him at training camp, I mean, he looks really, really big, dude. And, you know, I I support Zion. I love watching him play basketball, but he did actually get really, really big. And I don't know if that's going to help him in those injuries, dude. And so I really do he, hope he comes back healthy. I hope he's in shape. But seeing him at, you know, that media day, I was like, wow, like that's not even close to Zion from Duke, you know? And so if he can get right, that'd be awesome. But yeah, just going back to Kira Lewis, love him. He's going to be awesome. That's a great way to end it. Talking about how fat Zion is. Um, <laughs> Wait, I have one more. Oh, do you oh, have yeah, one more? Yeah, yeah, last one. Well, oh. We don't have to do it because I have like five guys I can't pick. No, 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 from, no, 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 no. All right. no. You have one more. Um, one more. Last one. Oh, man. So I have like four written down that I just absolutely can't pick one. And then I just thought of a wild one that I kind of want to just talk about for this pretty much topic because I. I'm just passionate about it, but sure. I'm not fucking leaving on Colin Sexton. Ooh, and I know I'm a, first of all, let me say I'm a massive Darius Garland fan. And I don't believe 
a lot of times in the small backcourts of like two potential point guards playing alongside each other. But I love Colin Sexton and I don't, it's probably going to be a problem that I'm just never going to be able to shake. I'm just going to keep believing in him. I don't know what the Cavs are going to do if they're going to wait and see and maybe move him at the deadline. And then he gets an extension somewhere else. I don't know. We're, we're going to find out, but I love everything that he has on the court. He looks like a competitor. He also looks like a guy that some veteran team might steal him and all of a sudden be like, cool, he's, he's ours now moving forward. But I just thought of that name and it's one of those guys that I cannot ever give up on. I'm like always just like, yes, Colin Sexton was what I would want and a point guard. And I know everyone will have their own opinion about him, but I just kind of wanted to throw that name into the, into the, the pile. See what you guys thought. I think that's the, the best name you could have chosen. Thank you. I really, really so appreciate much, it. No, there's so much heat on the Colin Sexton topic on the internet. It's mm-hmm. like, if Colin Sexton played for the Lakers or, you know, the Knicks instead of the Cleveland Cavaliers, like first take would start with the Colin Sexton segment every show that they have. 100%. So here, I don't love the Sexton-Garland backcourt. I I 100% get anyone's I don't love argument. It. So and, go ahead. I and I favor, And I favor Garland. Mm-hmm but I'm not ready to give up on Colin Sexton, the player in another scenario. I think that, yeah, there's a world where eventually Cleveland moves Sexton. And we look back at this backcourt as like, kind of like when the Warriors moved off of Monte Ellis and now you kind of let Garland have free reign and find somebody who compliments him a little bit better. I think there's that scenario, but that doesn't mean that like Colin Sexton has to have the Monte Ellis like exit from the NBA where he's just this inefficient chucker. Like you mentioned the competitor, him being a competitor, like him playing three on five and going toe to toe in college is the most badass thing that's probably ever happened on a basketball. It's awesome. Yeah. Like the dopest shit ever. He's gotten better every year. He's a now like a lethal shooting, you know, threat. He can get into the paint. I think that he's an underrated passer. He can make live dribble passes with both hands. He can play out of the pick and roll. I just want to see him somewhere besides Cleveland, somewhere with another guard that has the positional size that can complement him. And um I think that the 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 Garland and Sexton backcourt is going to be dynamic this year, and I think he might change some narratives. But I ultimately don't think it's going to lead them to the promised lands. But you know, Cleveland is far away, regardless. Like Mobley, year one, Kevin Love still lumbering around. You know, probably spending more time googling what wine he's going to drink rather than you know hanging out with his teammates that are ten years younger than him. It's going to be a weird team to watch, mm. and because I don't think it's going to lead to winning, Sexton's going to get, you know, kind of shit on as he normally does, and I think mm. a lot of other people are not going to take that heat. It's going to all fall on him, and that won't be fair. But um, I'm also not ready to to give up on him as a player, but I am kind of ready to give up on watching him in <laughs> Cleveland. Yes, dude. Um, I think that's the perfect way. Go ahead, Albert. 
no rucker when you said that you had a wild one i didn't know what to expect i didn't know if you're gonna go like roddy bobois or dragon bender <laughs> or i don't know where you're gonna go with that one but keep uh, dragon bender out of this <laughs> enough. but sexton's a good one and, and i do want to say like sexton's a guy who continues to improve like the guy just keeps getting better. Like every single season he comes back and he gets better and better. And people, I feel like he's one of those guys where people are looking for reasons to not like him. Like yeah. people constantly want to find some weakness in a game and be like, see, like he's not that good. But Sexton just comes back every year better and better. And I think that speaks to the fighting spirit that you guys are talking about, the competitiveness. He's the greatest three on five player in NBA history uh, or sorry, college basketball history. Like these are really good traits. Um, I, I think the context is important. Like you're talking about Corey, like if he wasn't with, with uh, Darius Garland and he was somewhere else, I, I think the narrow narrative would be very different. Now, of course, as you mentioned, he doesn't get as much spotlight because he's in Cleveland, but when people do look at Cleveland, they're like, look at these two tiny guards. Um, so I wish he was somewhere else, but I'm with you Rucker. I think he's a guy who look at how much his shooting has improved. Like it's really yeah. improved. It, it's unbelievable how hard he's worked at it. I think even as a playmaker, I think he's way less tunnel vision than people give him credit for. Uh, I think it's something he's really worked on and improved upon. And just uh, go across the park. Like, you look at him defensively. He's got limitations. He's a small guy. Doesn't have a crazy wingspan. But he fights. He competes. He's always in a stance. He always looks angry. He claps so hard. Like, these are all good qualities to have. And so I I'm with you, man. The guy really tries. And, and look, half the time, like, these teams are – you know, they're always breaking. Like, look at Ben Simmons today. Guy couldn't finish a drill, right? He, he you, know, you know, like you're never going to have that problem with Sexton. So I'm with you, man. I think that competitive spirit alone makes him a guy that you should invest in. And just look at the numbers. He gets better every damn year. And that's that's awesome. He's definitely a guy that you want to bet on. That yeah. you, you could feel safe. Like, at least if I'm throwing all my money on black with right. Colin Sexton, like at least I know he's gonna do his end of the bargain, right? He's gonna put the work in. It's not it's not gonna be like you said, like looking back on Ben Simmons' career and wondering how much he left in the tank. You're not getting that with Colin Sexton. So I, I there's a lot of reasons that uh we shouldn't give up on him. And man, I feel like he would be such a fun New York Nick Albert. I really do. I feel like he would be a dream Nick. I feel like he would, they would give him the Statue of Liberty. They would just be like, here, it's yours. You're a favorite <laughs> son that we've never had. Him him barking, we hear constantly with Julius oh Randle will be great. That's, it, would be, it would be something. He'd be yeah. such a, like Tibbs would do so much for him. I would love oh, it. God. All right. What an episode, guys. That was fun. What, what an episode. Tyler, I want you to tell the people all around the World Wide Web, where they can find you. I am at Backcourt Violation, which is at Backcourt V on uh, all social media and BackcourtViolation.com. And I'm excited for a couple announcements we've got with uh, these two guys. I just did a podcast coming up soon. So it's going to be a fun year. I'm really excited for, uh, for the draft season and the basketball world to be progressing like it is right now. So thank you guys it for having me. It is going to be a massively fun year. Some would say that there's no ceiling as to how fun this year is going to ultimately be. Albert, tell the World Wide Web where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on the internet. Um, but I really quickly, <laughs> really quickly on the before line. we close. 
I, I love that we're doing video right now because the world just saw Corey's cat attack Corey. And it this is really something did. that our listeners haven't been able to see because Corey's cat is the she's three on five Colin Sexton every week. Um, Corey's cat is either in the background. She's either like jacking stuff up or walking on his desk or attacking him. So welcome to the show. What's your cat's name again, Corey? My cat's name's Gypsy. She has Gypsy. made me bleed right now. I'm bleeding. You can't well, we really call that first team all defense. Um, oh, yeah, she's she's nimble on her feet, covers a lot of ground. <laughs> all I can think span. about now, all I can think about now is Borat. Um, <laughs> you will give me your tears, Gypsy. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, but anyway, um, you can find me at uh, Alberto Gim on Twitter. Also, my new handle GTGNBA. I've got some cool artwork coming. Um, that yes, you um, do. my sister-in-law, yeah, shout out to my sister-in-law. She made me like really cool artwork for my new persona of Garbage Time Gim. And we're hoping to like, I don't know, maybe like make some stickers or like t-shirts or something. I'm not sure because she dope. did a really dope job and uh, it's Corey verified right now. So I'm more excited about that. But um, yeah, man, that's where you'll find me. And once, hey, before I stop talking, Rucker, really appreciate you having, having you on. It's always fun to have you on. Um, there, there's something about you that I know like, you always like making fun of me, and I love that. Um, because... No, don't act, don't make me seem like an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> no, 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 it's not that at all. It's not that at all. We need that in life. Like it's yeah, the camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, we're, it, I've never met you in person, but you feel like a brother to me. So I, appreciate I always that. love. Uh, yeah, no, I always <laughs> love having Rucker on, and um, hopefully we can meet face to face soon. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, life's too short. You gotta, you gotta get the joy out of it. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for. Uh all the shenanigans between the group this year. And it's not just going to be us three. It's going to be a whole team. And we'll talk about it at when, when the time is right, when it's appropriate. Um, as for myself, you can find me at the hardwood mag, uh, on Twitter, uh, the hardwood Herald on YouTube. Uh, if you go to my Twitter link, you can find, I just dropped some t-shirts, some snapbacks, stuff like that. You can get that as always if you have not yet make sure you are either following uh if you're on spotify or subscribing on apple Podcasts. leave us a review rate it all the stuff that'll be helpful uh truly appreciate everybody tuning in each and every week it has been such an awesome time tyler as albert said thank you for hopping on and um that is going to do it for another episode of the draft act podcast Thanks for rocking with us. We out. Peace. Peace.